I'm Dr. Beth Mollison. And I'm Dr. Alyssa Watson. Thank you all for joining us in the veterinary break room today, where we have short conversations um, about relevant topics in veterinary medicine. And today's topic was inspired by a recent news story. Um, And that story was about the idea of whether or not an in-person VCPR, veterinary and client patient relationship, needs to be established in person or if it can be done remotely. And this is actually quite the hot topic right now. I'm sure any of you out there listening that have thought about telemedicine or are familiar with the telemedicine companies out there, um, of course, we all went through some of this with COVID where, you know, maybe we were seeing patients remotely um, more so than we were previously. So of course, telemedicine in all of its forms has taken off in recent years. Um, But what happened in the last few months is that California, which obviously is a a huge state, so tends to be influential, they have passed a bill uh, allowing the formation of the VCPR through remote methods. And so their governor, Gavin Newsom, I believe has not signed it yet. So that's what it would require for it to become law. So I, I, if my information is up to speed, I believe it's, it's still one step away from being official. Um, and then obviously that would, would be a huge shift for how things are done there in California. And California is not the only state, um, that has, um, or may have in the future have the remote establishment of VCPR, but there are, are five other states. So Arizona, Idaho, New Jersey, Vermont, and Virginia. And they're all slightly different. So for example, like with California, um, the vet themselves would have to be in California. I think in New Jersey, the vet can be anywhere in the country. And of course, there's several other nuances to each of these state laws, but that's kind of the gist of it. So Alyssa, is this something you had heard of being debated around town or (laughs) something you're familiar with? I know neither of us live in a state with this remote BCPR, but what have your um, thoughts been so far? Well, it's definitely something that I think is being talked about nationally. Um, You know, like you said, especially after COVID, a lot of these uh, requirements for an in-person exam for a VCPR were were kind of waived during COVID. But all of those uh, that I'm aware of, you know, have now expired. And so the vast majority of states, like you said, have gone back to needing that in-person you know, hands-on examination in order to establish a VCPR. Now, then after that, whether or not you're having remote visits for things, um, again, that depends on your state. So you really need to, to keep up to date with your state practice act. I was, I was surprised by the number of states that had already, you know, done away with the in-person exam. So I, I was surprised with the five states and, like you said, they are different. You know, um, Vermont, I think, you know, you had mentioned New Jersey, but I think Vermont is the same way too, where they can, you know, anybody in the whole country can establish a VCPR with a patient that is in Vermont and then potentially prescribe medications and do things like that. And so I thought that was that was interesting. I definitely think that there should be some guardrails on there in order to um, 
have have limitations on who can be treating mm-hmm. these patients, you know, especially where you're licensed, you know, given the fact that that licensing is individual throughout throughout the United States, then it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that this would be a way around that and, you know, to be able to practice in another state. Um, so I'll tell you the whole the whole idea for me, I feel um, like a little bit like a split personality, <laughs> depending on which job I'm doing, <laughs> since I do have a couple That's of different jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. since I do have a diff- couple of different jobs. So the, the in-home hospice and euthanasia veterinarian in me thinks that this could be really, really helpful, really useful. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to, you know, get on a, a video chat, see an animal, talk with the owner and be able to, you know, potentially prescribe some pre-visit medications, anti, you know, anxiety medications, medications for pain before I come over, you know, in order to help that, that patient pass. And I think that it has a huge usefulness, you know, if I have an aggressive animal, um, Mm -hmm. you know, currently we can't do that. So that means I need to make a home visit, you know, meet, meet the animal, meet the family in the home, and then I can prescribe, you know, and, and if the ultimate goal is, you know, or the, the ultimate outcome is going to be euthanasia, that's just another step. And I think you know, that incurs cost and potentially a barrier to, you know, that animal having a peaceful passing. So that's the one side, you know, of me that is like, sure, yeah, you should absolutely be able to do this. It would benefit so much. However, <laughs> the flip side, the the in-clinic general practitioner, which I still do as well, I have severe reservations because in my 20 years, I cannot tell you how many times I have diagnosed something from a physical exam that there is no way that I would have have diagnosed if that animal, you know, was not in front of me and I was not able to feel it and listen mm-hmm. to it and look in its ears. Um, I, you know, even even very recently, I had a a dog come in for a Bordetella vaccine. And I diagnosed the dog with lymphoma because it had, you know, uh, uh, its peripheral lymph nodes were all enlarged and the owner had no idea. The dog was not showing any clinical signs yet. It was not lethargic. It was, it was nothing. It just came in for a Bordetella vac- vaccine. And so, you know, there's that, that type of um, interaction is what gives me such pause. So how, how, what are your personal feelings on it? Yeah, no, I think I'm similar to you or I have kind of those split feelings about it. I think the pros are in some ways, I think it is in touch with reality in the sense that I definitely think there are many, many shortcomings to it, which I can get into, but I think the fact that it can be so hard to get veterinary care right now, the fact that there are certainly people in rural areas, the fact that there are so many exceptions to the rule where there's, you know, elderly pet owners who can't get their large dog to the vet. There are, you know, behavioral appointments where 
maybe physical exam really truly wouldn't change what you're doing. Um, and so in some ways, I do think expanding the access to veterinary care in general is a good thing. But then on the flip side, I think like you touched on, Alyssa, we all know that the physical exam for a patient that can't talk, I mean, just the physical exam is critical. You're going to find things that you wouldn't find otherwise. The in-person conversation with the pet owner. So, you know, like at my practice where we have wellness plans, being able to have that patient there, maybe they're there for diarrhea, but we can sit down and talk. We can show them our brochure about how important all of these other services for preventive care would be and get them signed up on a wellness plan. Like all of that sort of stuff would be lost. And I think the really scary part is that pet owners don't know the difference. You know, they think, oh yeah, the online seems more convenient than going in. I, I think there will be that educational gap for our pet owners. And therefore, I do think there will be pets that get lower levels of care because of laws like this. Whereas again, on the flip side, maybe you do have some pets that are getting some level of care where they wouldn't have otherwise. But I think it's 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 hard because I think it will impact different pets, different patients, um, and different pet owners differently. And I do think it's worth noting, um, I didn't mention this talking about the the California bill, but the AVMA um, is opposed to this uh, bill. Um, the California VMA was opposed and then later changed their position to neutral. Um, I may be mistaken, but I think some of that had to do with adding some guardrails. So I did just want to mention some of the nuance in this may change people's opinions one way or the one way or the other. So for California, at least, um, it would pr- prohibit a VCPR from being established just by audio communication. So it would have to be, um, you know, visual. Um, it would, again, we talked about the the vet has to be in California as well. Um, it per- prohibits prescribing any medications um, for um, like horse racing. And then it prohibits um, controlled substances. And then I think there were some other states that prohibited like dispensing antibiotics for more than 14 days. And that's one of my other big concerns is of course, antimicrobial resistance is so huge right now. The way I see, and I'm no expert, but the way I see many telehealth visits playing out is you kind of feel like the vet feels obligated to prescribe something at the end. The owner's expecting some sort of prescription for mm-hmm. um, their time and money. And then we have overuse of, of course, not just antimicrobials, other drugs too, but in the face of resistance, you know, that's a very sc- scary side of it to me as well. Um, one other potential benefit I, I should mention too, is a lot of like shelter environments um, are, fans of this because I think they have difficulty getting access of access to, to care for all of Mm -hmm. their pets. So yeah, it is really so nuanced and there are so many sides of it, but it is definitely worth mentioning that the AVMA tends to be opposed to these, these laws, which I think to me means something. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think as some of these provisions and guardrails have been added on, um, a lot of those, you know, national organizations have softened their stance a little bit. Um, it's interesting, you know, I don't know, are they, are they truly getting on board or are they perhaps saying, okay, we know this is probably the future because of the way that, that human medicine has happened. And, you know, I've said it on this show 
a hundred times just because something is done or works well or doesn't work well on the human side does not necessarily mean that that is going to equate to, to veterinary medicine um, because there are there are real significant differences you know just like you said our patients you know they don't they can't tell us how they feel there's no such thing as as symptoms you know we have clinical signs and those are are subtle distinctions but they're very important when we're talking about these things and so i worry a little bit that that some of these organizations are like well this is coming you know we're gonna have to you know instead of throwing all of our weight behind stopping it stopping this train maybe what we need to be doing is is laying the track in the direction we need it to go um so and that's not necessarily a bad thing because i do think that those provisions that that you you spoke about you know especially in this california law um are really really important and Mm -hmm. and i think that there's even probably some other ones you know i do like the idea um, that, you know, this cannot be established with audio only. It has to be some sort of video communication. Um, I think they even said you can't, can't establish care with a a survey or like, you know, an online, but I mean, those are things that I hadn't even thought of, but I'm sure somebody has thought of that. Oh yeah. Why can't I just go fill out this questionnaire on Google and, and get, yeah, antibiotics. So, right. And I do think, the uh, what you mentioned about human medicine, I do think that is one of the big talking points that these proponents are using is kind of saying, hey, look, the human telehealth has really boomed since COVID started. Obviously, there's a ton of money in that that has come from that. And I think, um, you know, that's one of the talking points that they're using to kind of push this through, especially when it comes to dealing with legislators who may not know the nuance of veterinary medicine you know, it kind of, they, they try to say, Hey, there's, if it works in humans, there's no reason it won't work in vets. Like, let's just focus on that idea. And I think so many of us, um, know, like you said, that's not, you know, comparing, it's comparing apples and oranges. So it is, it will be interesting to see how it plays out for better, for worse, many pros and cons. Um, and, uh, I did want to mention too, that there was a VIN, had an informal poll of members and they asked, should an in-person physical exam be required to establish a VCPR? And they had um, about 2,200 respondents. And so I just thought these were interesting to statistics. All you listeners can figure out uh, where your opinion lies compared to everyone else. It sounds like 54% said, yes, face-to-face exams are necessary to, to establish a VCPR. 36% said yes, face-to-face exams are necessary to establish a VCPR with exceptions. 5% said a VCPR can be established remotely, done deal. 4% said that they were undecided. So certainly lots of different opinions there too. Um, Obviously, the exceptions could be flied for those that said yes with exceptions. (laughs) Um, But I thought it was kind of interesting to see what everybody out there is thinking. So very interesting indeed. Yes, we will keep our eye on the latest. I encourage everyone to to keep an eye out for anything in your own state that might affect the telehealth laws. Uh, but Alyssa, I think that brings us to our win of the week. Do you have anything good to share with our audience this week? Um, so I have I have a little bit of sad news, but also good news. Um, so uh Anyone who watches the show knows that I have 
had a beautiful dog de Bordeaux, Luna, who was just the love of my life. She was, she was my heart dog. I loved her so much. Um, and she uh, passed away. And so I've been a little bit lonely and I have recently been in contact with a dog day Bordeaux rescue and actually coming up in just a couple days, I'm going to meet a, a new dog and see if she might be a good fit for our family. So we'll see the next time we're all together. If I have a new dog lying behind me and, and, panting during the whole episode. A new subtle sound of snoring. We used to, I miss Luna's yes, snoring. snoring. Yeah. We used to I miss sometimes, Luna's snoring uh, too. Yes, get a little <laughs> bit of microphone pickup of that snoring. And yeah, she was just the best. But keep us posted. Thank that you. sounds like one lucky dog if it winds up in your household. So um, I'm excited to hear how that goes. But um, How about you? What do you have to share? Yeah, my one is let's see, completely unrelated to veterinary medicine, but it's big news in my household. And that that is my husband and I went out this weekend without our children. Uh, so that's, you know, when you've got a two and five year old, that's what the winds look like these days mm-hmm. is just escaping mm-hmm. for a few hours. We had a really good friend um, get married. Um, the wedding was lovely. There was lots of refreshments. We'll just say, And the next day, the funny part is the next day I actually scheduled family pictures for us. And so my husband was not in a great mood realizing that he had to rouse himself for family photos (laughs) the next day. Um, But anyway, it was, it was delightful. I still feel like every group gathering post, you know, COVID pandemic world, uh, I am that much more grateful for. So this weekend was one of those. That's great. It's wonderful. Anyway, Alyssa, well, to our audience, thanks for listening in today. And we will catch all of you on our next episode. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Veterinary Breakroom. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, including a video version on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. You can also listen to or watch our podcast episodes on our website at cliniciansbrief.com slash podcasts, or drop us a line at podcasts at vetmedics.com. Veterinary Breakroom is a VetMedics production produced by Alexis Ussery and co-hosted by Dr. Alyssa Watson and Dr. Beth Mollison.